What's up, everyone? Welcome to Mixtapes. I'm your host, Eric Stanglin. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest on the show today is a former bandmate of mine that has gone on to play some amazing bands, such as Low Man Joe and the Steve Satchel Band. He's also involved with promoting and selling independent gear, and I'm so looking forward to picking his brain today, Mr. Jason Beard. How are you doing today, my friend? Eric, pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's been a long time, my brother. Been a very long time. It's great to have you on the show. We go back, I mean, we go back so far. I don't. I wasn't even, I couldn't even vote or do anything when I met you. I think I was 17 when I met you. So you seventeen. Uh, I was 17. I was a youngin, and uh, you had super long hair, super long hair. <laughs> a lot's changed since then. Hey, I wanted to get the listeners an idea of kind of how you got started in music. Like when did you catch that music bug? Um, my sister and brother bought my first record that was kiss rock and roll over. I was probably about five or six years old. And it wasn't really until I actually met you that I got the notion that I could actually play music. And as you know, you know, you were handing out flyers in our dorm at Nihal and Reno, uh, you know, UNR. And uh, three hours later, I think we were still talking and you were playing every song on the guitar I could play. I had some stupid Yamaha. I didn't play bass. And I said, you should meet the guy across the hall. He plays drums. And, you know, voila, the story of our first band, right? You want to laugh? I still, I still remember how much I was charging for guitar lessons on that flyer. Fifteen bucks. No. Wasn't how much? Three dollars. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Three yeah. bucks. Times have changed, but I was really just looking. I was just trying to meet people. You know sure. what I mean? I had no inclination I could teach guitar, and honestly, I really couldn't back then. But I just wanted to meet people. I mean, I I flew in from New Jersey to Reno, Nevada. Didn't know a single yeah. person, and uh, and I ended up. I ended up meeting Bo that 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 day too. Yeah, I remember that. God, it's crazy. So long ago. So you weren't even a so bass long. player. I remember that. Yep. And you the only reason the only reason why I met you is because you had the lock on your door that you would put in the door to keep your door open. Yes. And I saw you probably the, heard Megadeth playing or something. And I saw the <laughs> I saw the guitar case, and I was like, "All right, this dude plays guitar." And you had long hair. <laughs> it's like, he really doesn't play guitar. He just was like, to "Look cool." I was like, "Here's a flyer." <laughs> yeah. So, so you brought up Kiss. I think a bunch of us our age, Kiss was one of those big uh, influences for sure. Um, talk to me more about other influences that you had growing up. So, like when you're, let's say you're like 11, 12 years old. Like, what are you listening to then? Uh, junior high. So I was into AC/DC, Def Leppard, uh, all the typical rock bands of the time. I was into Rush, uh, probably. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, Ario Speedwagon. I mean, I, I ran the gambit of just your basic classic rock. Uh, it wasn't until really I hit high school and got my first dose of like metal, like Metallica and Slayer, and then I met and Sabbath. I mean, my brother introduced me to Black Sabbath, got probably when Iron Man was brand new. And oh, I was wow. in his 76 Camaro, probably listening to an eight track. And I was like, what is that? And it just took me to the dark side. And it, when I met you, I was metal, metal, metal. I remember that and I don't even listen to metal much anymore so isn't that funny man I mean I, I, I remember you got me hooked on corrosion of conformity blind yeah I, I, that you got me hooked on that record big time Pantera, and, I mean all yep. that yep so we played in a band together I I ended up saying to you get rid of the guitar grab a bass and I'll teach you <laughs> how to play <laughs> And there we did. Uh, I root note city, man. I was just root note Willie back then. Right, right. So, but it worked. 
so let me ask you a question. So, you know, we were in the studio doing our thing and whatnot, and then we fire you. Yeah. And basically, I ended up getting to fire you, which was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Great times. <laughs> um, but talk to me about how much that firing was a game changer for you. Dude, I was miserable for a while and very pissed off at everyone. I had a chip on my shoulder for the longest time, but I even quit playing bass. Um, I, I Cut was your hair. And, and then when I really looked back, I said, you know, this is probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be where I am now if that hadn't happened. Uh, I don't know where I would be if that hadn't happened, but it pushed me. It made me realize that, hey, you know what? I probably should, should sit back and learn my instrument a little better. Um, and, you know, now I'm playing with two of the best guitar players in, in Houston, Adam Denoth and Kelly Fitzsimmons. And, you know, it just it was a life learning experience, uh, but I got over it and it's great now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing that was cool, too, is, is like you came back a couple of years later and sat in with us and it was like yeah. everything was cool. And 2012. and I was like, whoa, holy crap. No, no. Before that, remember, you came you came and visited and you sat in with us at the beer barrel. Yes, I do remember that. I did. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just being like, wow, man, Jason's gotten like a lot better. Like I was After the pick down. I started playing with fingers. Yep. Uh, I started listening to Chili Peppers a lot. And that's kind of what took me on my real bass journey, if you will. Um, yep. I started listening to bands that were very bass driven, very rhythm driven. Started really paying attention to the bass players more. Right, right. And then you ended up going, you ended up going back to Texas. So I want to talk about that Texas music scene. Um, so so you moved back to Texas. I remember you cut all your hair off and yep. then I remember you were done with music and then you started playing again. So what was the scene like? How did you get into the scene in Texas? So my ex played volleyball. She was an avid, uh, you know, volleyball player. And she basically said one day, Hey, you need a hobby. I went, Oh, I play bass. Okay. So I went down to the local music store, bought a four string PV millennium and a God, I think a line six, uh, 210 combo amp. And I, I got on Craigslist. I started learning some songs that I knew. I was like, all right, I can do this. Went and auditioned for a band called A Beautiful Disgrace. Okay. Uh, and they said, you're in, dude. Um, and I played with them for a while. And, and, you know, that was that was how it started. And it was, you know, Houston's mostly a lot of rock and metal bands. There's a lot, a lot of metal bands here. Texas metal is it's got that southern sound. It's heavy. It's gritty. Um do you think that's a but, Pantera thing? Do you think Pantera it's very was much a Pantera thing? Yeah, when yeah. I when I walk into a bar that if we're gonna play with a band, I see a bunch of Dean guitars and and hats like 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 the brim hat. I'm like, all right, it's gonna be a Pantera night. <laughs> <laughs> I always very typical. I always wondered that. I always wondered how much because you know Pantera was like one of those bands that I think was a game changer in metal in terms of where metal was going. Because you had the two camps, you had the the Metallica Black where everybody yeah. made the black album basically right and then you had the pantera where they just were like no we're going to get heavier i always yeah. wondered how much of a you know because i know obviously they had a national you know a big effect nationally but i always wondered how much of an effect they had in texas because they were from texas you know what i mean yeah and i was i mean i remember when Dimebag was shot where i was what i was doing i mean i was living up in dallas at the time working and i think the damage plan record had just come out and I was like, man, this is awesome. And I was just crushed that there would be no more damage plan. There would be no more 
Pantera. I mean, it was everyone in Texas was crushed. That guy is a, is a he's a god here. Did you ever meet him when you were in Texas? No, no, no. no. I, I know plenty of people that did. I mean, we we're we play with so many different bands and we know so many different metal bands here in Houston and you know from around. So I've definitely got friends that that had met him and played with them. And I hear nothing but good things about him from everybody that I've yeah. talked to that met him yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Did did you see them when they played Reno before they were like big? We did. weren't Didn't we go to that show? Um, no, I wasn't in town yet. I actually did. It was ninety one. I still have the ticket, and I want to say that God, who opened for them? I want to say it was Souls at Zero, but it might have been a separate show because I was huge into those guys, formerly Wrathchild America, right? Um, and but yeah, I think that was 91. I don't think you got to Reno till what, like late 91, right? 90, 92. I, summer summer 92 is when I showed up. But yeah, I remember uh, our good buddy Jason Thomas, I think, worked worked the crew that night for that show and whatnot. And, uh, that was an incredible show, man. They were amazing. When they were first, first coming out, I saw them open up for Skid Row. Yeah. of all people in 92 and vulgar had been out for a couple months and uh i was into a lot of rock and metal um but that seeing them live was like whoa it's a game changer man they they kept metal going i mean bands like them and i know i was never really into slipknot but you know through the 2000s i guess slipknot kind of carried the torch um but pantera was one of those pioneering metal bands that kept it going they changed the sound of how metal was per se. It was more groove oriented. You know what I mean? And, and Daryl never, never took a backseat on his chops when it was like not cool to play guitar solos back in that day for our younger listeners. Like, yeah. You don't, not to mention rhythmically. I mean, drums, you can't, I mean, you can't dismiss that part either. I mean, no, not Vinny and Rex. I mean, Jesus, the whole, band, the whole band really was yeah. just, it was like, it was one of those metal bands where everybody was really good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. They brought some to the table, and every record got better. And then it kind of, you know, went a little south. But so, so talk to us. So you play, you start playing in that first band, right? Yeah. And and then where do you go from there? So that kind of went south. Um, we had some issues with a couple of the members. I mean, there's no hard feelings now. Everybody's friends. But um, me and another guitar player named Jason Joachim and a, a drummer named Mark Moreno formed a band called Failed to Reason which that was sort of, you know, it was a metal band. We had a couple of female vocalists. Um, uh, I think we had three female vocalists in total. Um, one of the girls that was one of our main vocalists for a while, her name's Jessica Perry. She's in a band called Vanilla Sugar out in California now. Uh, Lucy Noir, she was one of our vocalists. She's, um, band's called Apotheca. They're still going, as far as I know, they're kind of, you know, genty new metal kind of sound. Um, and I, you know, once that kept going for a while, we had 11, like 11 different members in that band. I left wow. because I was like, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting too old to play in a metal band. I just want to play in a rock band. Right. And that's when I found Low Man's Joe, you know? So you did Low Man's Joe before Satchel, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Low Man's Joe, Low Man's Joe is on like 2.0 version right now because the first version, the original drummer, uh, John Feldman and, and, uh, Brett Geirich, uh, singer, Singer's really the only original member of that band now because I wasn't even the original bass player. Okay. Um, you know, John got fed up with the scene because the local Houston scene is very weird. I mean, it's almost like the same 20 bands doing the same thing now. And it's like it gets, it's a little played out sometimes. Um, and, I, and nothing against the Houston scene because we have a great scene. There's a lot of great people. I mean, my 4,500 Facebook friends, I mean, probably half of them are Houston music people. So, you know, it's it is a good scene. 
it's just, I want, I want to see more. I'd love to see more variety. And I think that's kind of where, you know, Satchel fits in. There's really not many people doing what we're doing. Let's, let's talk about that. I'm really excited to talk about that band because I'm, I'm lucky enough and the listeners are going to get to hear some of this, some of that band a little bit later on if they stick with the show. So please stick with the whole entire show because this band is seriously awesome. Um, I'm excited to talk about it because it's an instrumental band, right? So how hard is it to play in an instrumental band? And what I mean by that is, how do you keep the audience attention without a singer? Do you tell booking agents and club owners that you don't have a singer up front? Like, uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? How do you go about doing that? Well, there's a lot of funny stories around that. And we've actually, after we played a venue once, and right, even I think even right before we were going to go on, somebody came up to him and said, where's your singer? Where's Steve? Like, is he not here? And That's I'm like, awesome. we're an instrumental band. There is no, like, they think Adam is, you know, Steve Satchel or, or somebody else is Steve. And like, no, Steve Satchel, you don't know who that is. He's the guy that invented music. We've never met him. You know, That's he, so he taught good. the Beatles how to play. He's, he, he is music. Google it. And then it, it's, it's Steve Satchel is the quintessential music God. And that's all I'll say about Steve. That's so good, man. So do you tell do you tell club owners that you're an instrumental band when you try to book? Yeah. And, you know, we don't really call people up and just say, hey, can we play? You know, we've got some venues. We've all been in a lot of bands in Houston. Every single one of us has been in tons of bands. Most of the regular venues know who we are. They know us. We can call up, you know, three or four venues, you know, Acadia, BFE, Rock Club, um, sometimes Warehouse Live, there's Scout Bar. Uh, there's tons of places we could play a show and put it on ourselves and be the headliner or whatever the case may be. Um, we have you pay the sound guy. Uh, you book your own show. You're the booking agent, right? So we have right. relationships with venues like that. Getting on new venues is a little bit tough. Uh, sometimes we would, um, you know, we'll open up for national acts. Like we've opened up for Kings X a few times, Marty Friedman uh, to drop a few names, Mr. Big, Billy Sheehan actually held that base. Um, so, we are, it's built on a lot of relationships over time. We, when we all know most of the booking agents and venue, you know, venue owners. Right. So that makes it easy. But when you guys first started, that probably helped you out tremendously, right? It like did. Being in yeah. other bands, right? Sure. Um, so it, another thing I think is cool about being an instrumental band where you're at, you probably are the first choice to get to open up for people like Marty Freeman. Yeah. When the, when the, you know, the instrumental type, I mean, as far as soloists that have come through, we've opened for, for uh, Pliny, Nick Johnston, Nita Strauss, um, let's see, Marty Friedman, um, John five. Right. Um, and yeah, we get we're like, yeah, put us on that. Hello. And, and sometimes we'll get, we'll, we'll see the advanced schedules of the venues and we'll ask to be put on those shows. And, you know, there's a couple other, um, there's one other instrumental um, band in town, but I don't know if he's really doing a whole lot right now. Um, we won't talk about that, but it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's difficult sometimes, I guess, being instrumental, but we don't really want to play all that much, honestly. I don't want, we don't want to be the band that plays every month because to us, it kind of limits your draw. When right. people start wondering, hey, why are the same 15 people coming to our shows? You play too much. Thank you. That's kind of our thing. Like if we play one show a year in Houston or maybe two, that's probably enough. We'd rather write, create online content because honestly, that's where music lives nowadays. Live shows are great. We all love playing live. It is fun. 
but sometimes it can be a real pain. And I'd rather play one completely packed house than 10 mediocre, you know, shows. You are all feel that way. You are speaking the truth, my friend, and I'm glad that you're on the show because I knew you'd give me this type of conversation, and this is why I this is why mixtapes exist because I wanted to let people know these type of things and talk to artists and and especially for aspiring artists that are listening to the show, they get an idea of you know hey let's do stuff that works and understand it from people that have done it than not. I mean, yeah. to, to me, it's like my two big pet peeves is a band that'll play you know. 10, 15 shows a month. That's a big pet peeve. And another one is, here's the other one that I hate, and I mean, you'll probably agree with me on this one, is why do we have to have seven bands on a bill? Yeah, that's because, well, you know why? Because if you have seven bands, think of how many people are in each band. Each band member probably brings a couple people. Boom, you got a crowd. Yeah, and but it's it's the same crowd though. <laughs> the more bands, the more people will be there, right? Because they'll bring a few people. If each band brings five people, we got do the math on that. I mean, that's 70, 80, 100 people. And it's awful because then, like, depending on where you're on the bill, you're going to play in front of five people. Yeah. And I, we don't, and honestly, it's like, I'm, I'm going to be 50 next month, lugging our stuff to a club, getting there at, you know, 6 p.m. when you don't go on till 10 or 11, you're sitting around. It's, you know, I'm, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting old for that, but as, Again, it's a lot of fun. I guess Low Man's Joe is kind of my side band that we will play shows a little bit more often. So I play double the shows that I would normally with Satchel. But even Low Man's Joe doesn't really want to play as much anymore. We have we all have full time jobs. Right. Um, I'd rather just record and write, you know, songs, create some content. And if we get asked to play a really good show, we'll do it. It's picking your spots, man, and I think that's really important. And obviously, when you're a younger band or a brand new band, you want to get out there a little bit more, so you're out there. But I think as you grow more, thinking about picking your spots is huge. I really believe that. I really believe that that's what you want to do. And and the nice thing is, you can record at home. You can record. It's amazing what you can do nowadays. The freedom, you know, the the expression you have, not worrying about uh oh. 75, 100 bucks an hour, like, I got to get this part right. I'm, I'm costing the band money. Or, you know, like, hey, let's try this idea. Uh-oh, but that's going to cost another 100 bucks or 200 bucks or 300 bucks. Or, I mean, you can write demos. I mean, I'm lucky enough you send me all this stuff. I get to listen to some things, and I'm like, man, this is so cool. And then I'm yeah. like, where'd you record? And you're like, oh, we just kind of did it here. We did at it. our place. Adam <laughs> does almost all – he does it all pretty much. Um, there was a couple songs that we had paid – uh, somebody to do a little bit of mixing, sure. we get all recording ourselves. But now Adam's mixing everything, and it's hard. He he gets frustrated, but sure. he's getting really really good at it. And even if I'm like, even if the qu- quality is you know slightly less than perfect, or, or it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be you know twenty thousand dollar you know L A recording studio perfect. But that's okay. We didn't. It didn't cost us anything. It cost time. That's it. And, and here's the other thing I want you to think about. Maybe you'll agree or not agree. Do you think big famous bands like all their recordings? You, you know what oh, I mean? I guarantee you they don't. I, you've heard in, I've heard interviews from bands going, oh, God, I wish we could re-record that or, you know, old stuff. But because technology changes or, you know, even the newer recordings with everything being digital, they want to go back to the old school analog. And completely, completely agree with you, man. And I, I also think, too, you know, there's so much there's so much stuff going on with how you can 
basically send out music and where you don't really make money playing music anymore in terms of like we've spent far more than we ever make <laughs> you know what I mean? and it's so like all this crap <laughs> so any way you can cut corners but do it in a way where it doesn't compromise the yeah. sound overall sound i mean because you're not making it back it's not like the old days where you know we would play shows together make a couple grand on the door put that yeah. money away you know and then you 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 put the money away for the cds and then you know you'd sell the cds and then yeah. you'd make your money back it's like you can't even make your money back anymore i mean i've got friends in cover bands but they're full-time gigging musicians yeah you know, that's their job and they oh, make yeah. a living doing that it's a vastly different world doing original music oh you absolutely that, i mean you do both i think right i yeah i do both but but i don't I'm kind of weird because I'm in like your camp where I'm I'm just riding with people right now and just recording and enjoying it. It's fun. It is. And and it's like you're in that moment of creating something, which I think is awesome. And the playing gig type of stuff where like, you know, I'm happy my friends are doing it and whatnot and all that stuff. It's like it's just not where I'm at right now. It doesn't mean that it won't change, but right now it's just not where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, we've got some shows coming up that, you know, we can talk about later, but it's like we got one show in Houston this year. That's it. Now, obviously, uh, current events aside, um, there's some reasons why we haven't been playing. But we've been we got, you know, we put Kelly Fitzsimmons on, you know, God, well over a year ago and have created just a vastly different sound, in my opinion, than our first record. Completely um, agree. Pursuit of Happiness was, you know, written and recorded and it was a little heavier. And, you know, there's I love those songs. I mean, don't get me wrong um but our new sound i just i love it and i love when bands do that they, they change a little bit from time to time the dynamics that you guys have and the sensibility of the melodic lines are really cool yeah. they write songs they don't just noodle they write songs completely agree with you man and that's why i i'm really happy that we talked a little bit about that band um i also want to talk about some other musical endeavors that you have including um the baseline that you work with and all the other stuff that you're promoting um can you talk a little bit about that for us well like my gear yeah yeah so years ago i thought it would be cool to start a little business um i got involved with simonetti bases uh they're custom handmade bases here in houston um he'll do anything from four string up to 12 whatever you can conjure up in your imagination this man can build anything. A lot of people think I build these because I do woodworking. I do not. His name is Ray Simonetti. He makes those fine looking instruments that you see behind me. Um, and at that point I said, well, all right, I'm selling a few of these. I got, I, you know, I know musicians. I got a lot of uh, church players that would come in and, and check these instruments out. And then I said, all right, well, maybe I could set up with like some electronics companies. So I got set up with TC Electronics, got set up with Dark Glass, uh, met Schroeder um, online and finally got became a Schroeder dealer. And right now I pretty much just do dark glass and Schroeder and Schroeder cabinets are made out in California. He does, you know, anything from six inch up to 18. And you'll notice there's a guitar cab too, the white one. Yeah. Uh, so he does guitar cabs too. Um, but mostly he's bass. Uh, they're boutique cabinets. They're handmade. You know, they don't have your typical Tolex coating on it. Um, custom BNC drivers. They're the finest cabinets I've ever played. Uh, dark glass is owned by Korg. Everybody in the bass world knows dark glass. If you've listened to any modern metal, um, split players like Jacob Umansky, um, he, he's dark glass city, Dingwall basses, things like that. There's just this modern bass sound and dark glass is kind of where it's at. 
Um, I don't sell a ton of it because of online dealers, but I am a dealer for it. Nice, nice. Um, but I've tried to build the business uh, JV base products around Simonetti because that was the main thing I was selling. I don't want to. I don't want to sell a bunch of products that are you know hawked all over the internet. You want to sell. You want to sell what you believe in too. Egg, yeah, I, I play every literally everything I play. I sell with exception of maybe the TC Electronics. I got a couple of pedals, and that's about it. Right, right. Which is cool because yeah. it's. I always felt like if if someone's playing something and they believe in it then you're believing what they're standing behind. And I think that makes such a huge difference compared to just taking a guess on a whim, like, oh, maybe this will sound good or not. Because we know now we are definitely living more in an internet age. You sure. know, there's a lot of mom and pop stores that have disappeared. And, you know, you have your guitar centers, but there's a lot of instruments and a lot of, you know, pedals and manufacturers that don't go through guitar centers. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've even got a, he, he's kind of a, uh, an internet friend never actually met him but he runs another store called fretnation.com i actually buy stuff from him sometimes like my strings um but he's a cord dealer he sells a lot of the high-end bases as well i refer people to him most of the time for dark glass stuff just because i don't stock it and he's a much bigger online store um his name's jason mendelson he runs fret nation um and he's a mom and pop dealer small internet he's not Sweetwater or nothing wrong with you know the sweet yeah, right and the guitar centers and this and that but um, you know, I'd rather help out some, some small businesses and friends and refer them business. Absolutely. And, and if I, if I go, if I go with, you know, internet companies, I try to go with some of the smaller ones like Zounds. Yep. Like I, I love Zounds, I have a good relationship yep. with them. And one of the things that I like about Zounds is I get 12 to 18 months payments, no interest. See, I can't do that. And I wish I could. And that's the one thing that, uh, Jason Mendelson and I kind of talk about. It's like, man, I wish I had a finance option. I'll do layaway with somebody like, you want to put, you know, pay me three, 400 bucks a month for a base. And then, you know, once we're, you know, kind of at that 50% mark, we'll start the construction of it and we'll do stuff like that. Uh, same thing with a cab. You know, I got a, a couple of buddies making payments on cabs right now, just cause you know, throwing down 1200 bucks for a cab sometimes right up front is pretty tough for people. So I'll, uh, I'll do layaway. Absolutely, man. I, and I agree with you on that. I, it's like I said, this is the reason why I go through Zounds is because if I, if I want a guitar that I want to own, it's so much easier for me to just make those payments that comes right out of my account. Yeah. And it's, it's totally affordable. And they send me the guitar or whatever it is after the first, the first payments made. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's insane. I think that's the future. I really do think that's going to be the I future. I wish I could do that. But unfortunately, I'm not a bank. And if somebody skips out on a payment or doesn't, I have no way to chase it down. Well, you know, if and, I could, like, form a relationship with like Synchrony Bank and let them do the financing, which is probably what they do. Um, then maybe so, but I'm too small. I don't do enough volume. Well, that's hard too, man, because with musicians, I mean, we're not going into current affairs, but a lot of us got destroyed during the pandemic. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. And that's one thing we're being an original musician. It's like, okay, let's write music and record and create content. So we were like, all right, it's not going to affect us. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is smart. Hey, what advice could you give younger or aspiring artists when it comes to navigating a band in the year 2021? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Loaded question. Well, I'm, I'm in two bands, so it's like having, you know, eight girlfriends. Um, but everybody <laughs> every, at some point, I mean, you got to be friends with these guys, right? Or girls. Um, and I would say just kind of know your role and, Go with the flow, voice your opinion. Don't get hurt if somebody doesn't like or suggest something, you know, for you to play. As a bass player, I, I mean, you know what kind of musician I am. I, I 
I'm writing some of my own stuff, but I defer to my guitar players for ideas and then kind of formulate my own ideas around that. You know, I've taken some lessons from some local guys. Uh, David Piggott's one of my uh, good buddies. He teaches uh, Piggott music. He, um, monster bass player, um, friend of mine, Anthony Sapp. He's another guy that we're building a bass for. Um, you know, I get tips and pointers from these guys, but for the most part, you know, when you're writing, you know, listen to the songs, you know, listen to each other. Don't get, don't, don't have an ego. That's probably the biggest thing. That's a great piece of advice, man, because it's like, it's, you got too many cooks in the kitchen sometimes, right? Yeah. We thought, honestly, before we got Kelly on board, we thought Adam and Kelly hated each other because they were like two alpha guitar players. Sure. And we thought, oh, that'll never work. And, you know, when we got rid of our, our other guitar player, uh, we said, well, why don't we just ask him? What's he going to say? No. And Kelly was kind of, he got fed up with another band and quit that. And he was like, I'm done with music. And I'm like, guys, this is a, let's just ask him. And finally we got him and he goes, yeah, I'll do that. And he learned a couple <laughs> songs and they, Adam and Kelly work together beautifully. They, they just write music together beautifully. That's all I can say. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's so refreshing to hear a band like yours where, like the talent is through the roof, especially with those two guitar players. Oh, but I never feel like I never feel like they're fighting amongst each other for the spotlight. I feel like they're complimenting each other. Sure. And and I tell you, as drummers go, I mean, Lance Klepper, he's God, he's a monster drummer. He's been in infinite bands in Houston. So, I mean, he, he knows probably more people than any of us as far as the music scene goes. And I mean, his chops are I mean, I don't think I think the only drummer that I can say that might be slightly better than him is maybe Bo. And that's just based on his classical training and jazz and whatnot. But as far as feel and chops go, Lance is right up there with him easily. I, I completely agree. And it's funny, too, because I'm a guitar player, you know, obviously by heart. So um, I'm always listening to the guitar first. Right. I'm so yeah. guilty of it. But, yeah, everybody in your band is is beyond solid, man. And it's it's evident because those songs, like I said, later on in the episode, you're going to get to hear a little bit of it. It's really like I said, everybody compliments each other. And I really like that. It's almost like I felt like about when you listen to a band like Rush, you sure. know, where, where people are complimenting each other or Tool is another great example. Sure. You know, they have great players, but it's like no one is no one's pushing or the Chili Peppers, especially yeah. with Frusciante. Yeah. You know what I mean? Great players. Yep. You just look at them as a great band as a whole, if that makes sense. You know, oh, yeah. um, I got a uh, I got a game I like to play on here. I hope you'll play play it with me. <laughs> it's uh, it's called Devil's Advocate. And okay. this is where I pick a topic that I believe I know the answer to already that, you know, I believe I know your answer. And okay. then I play Devil's Advocate to see if you can change my mind. OK, you ready to play? All right, OK. OK. So the question is, why should I buy a custom instrument compared to a known brand? That's a good one. I, I, I feel that question a lot online. And here's the answer to that. This is the best answer I'll give you. You should buy a custom instrument because you want it, not because it's going to make you better because it won't. Uh, a $400 used fender in a pawn shop will make you just as much money at gigs than a $4,000 bass sitting behind me. You should buy it because it feels good. It sounds good. And you should buy it uh, because it's one of a kind. That's probably my best answer to that question. Okay. So um, what happens if I uh, need to return it or repair it? It's a lot easier to do that in a, a local store, right? Yep. So 
if you're not in Houston, uh, obviously there would be, you know, a way to ship it back. Uh, that, that can get expensive. Uh, what I always do is like, if I got somebody out of state, like my brother, he bought one. Um, he's got a local luthier he can go to that he trusts. And if the luthier has questions or why he can contact Ray. And if it's right after the person bought the instrument, I'll usually pay for that repair for them. If it's something that's, you know, either our fault or if it's our fault, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it. I mean, it's a two year warranty on these instruments right out of the box. So, um, but it's always good to have a local luthier. I mean, it, it's tough when you're in a remote part of the country and you don't have anybody that works on instruments, you'd have to send it back. And yeah, shipping can get pretty expensive on these things. I mean, it, unless you have a, you know, a FedEx account or UPS account or know somebody, it, it can get expensive to ship instruments. <laughs> and that is the truth. Um, to be honest with you, you didn't need to change my mind at all on that one. I have a couple custom guitars. I absolutely love them. I feel there's nothing, like there's nothing like it in the world. I'd never go back to a production instrument. You know, what's funny is, is the amount of customer service that I get when I've ordered something custom is amazing. And it beats the heck out of, you yeah. know, I mean, I deal with a person, I deal yeah. with a person that actually made the instrument too. Yep. It feeds his family making it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and, and as you develop those relationships, those people know how you play and what you like. So the next instrument that's built is more yeah. specified to how you play. And Ray's a bass player too. I mean, he started out tinkering with, with uh, old specters and, and he's a huge Iron Maiden fan. So he loves Steve Harris. And I mean, he, he's, he, if he had kept playing, I mean, he's a monster player. Um, but see, but, so he, he started building bases that he wanted. And I mean, this guy can build, he can literally build anything. There's nothing this man cannot build. If you can imagine it, he can build it. He's that good. And his website is? SimonettiBases.com. Cool. It looks and like then, Simon and then E-T-T-I Bases.com. So if you pronounce it phonetically, it would be Simonetti. Um, perfect. It's Italian. Um, little Italiano. Simonetti. Forget, forget about it. Um, <laughs> definitely send me, uh, send me those links and I'll put them in the summary and that way people can click on them. Um, this is your time to promote yourself, man. Anything you want to promote right now, go for it. Well, um, we are actually playing our world tour our flat earth tour if you've seen the flyer online on steve satchel band uh, facebook page october 15th will be in beaumont the the metropolis of beaumont texas if you've ever been to east texas it's awesome uh that is october 15th at the texas rose and then october 16th we are trekking over to leesville louisiana now louisiana has fantastic food um so i'll just leave that at that steve recommended these two towns over every other town in the u.s i don't know why yet but and then we're gonna make our way back to houston november 20th at bfe rock club one of our favorite venues in houston so three shows in less than a year world tour world tour you hear Flat that we got, we got the, we got the uh we got the exclusive and we actually have an exclusive too that we're going to be able to play a little bit of um, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about real quick before I let you out of here is when you guys are writing instrumental stuff, right? Is there, are you thinking about like people or things that have happened in your life, those type of things and putting it towards music for a certain feel or take us through, take us through how a song gets written. We write what Steve sends us. He'll send us an idea. Kelly and Adam will try to interpret that idea as best they can. And then Lance and I will put 
what we think should go with it. And that's how songs are born in this band. Okay. How, uh, I guess this is going to be probably a bad question to ask, but <laughs> for, for the younger, for the younger listeners, the aspiring musicians is probably a good question to be honest with you. How long does it normally take to write a song for you guys? It varies for, you know, sometimes maybe it's an idea that Adam got from Steve and then Kelly will add his little parts to it and completely change the song that's happened before, you know, or maybe it's something that he sent Kelly and Kelly's like, Hey, I got this idea and bam, it's a whole song. It's already written. It's done. And we just, you know, he's like, no, this is how I want it. This is okay. You have an idea. All right. We can change that. Very open lines of communication when it comes to writing instrumental music. We don't have a singer to worry about. Hey, I can't sing in that key or whatever. Or my uh, girlfriend won't let me come over to jam with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> or hey, can you grab? Can you at least carry your microphone into the gig? <laughs> I'll tell you something right now, man. I've been pretty blessed with with uh, singers lately that like like totally huff gear. It's awesome. It's, yeah. It's not. You know what I mean? It's 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 pretty neat. I think a lot of those stereotypes are definitely like things of the past, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, so. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, Brett. I love Brett Gyrich. He's a singer in Low Man's Joe. He's awesome. He's a, he's only a slight diva. We love him. Hey, can we, talk, can we talk yeah. a little bit about that band before we go too? Yeah, man. Low Man's Joe. It's just a rock band, dude. That's all I can say. We kind of got a little heavier there uh, in 2.0 version. But, I mean, the... Um, it's just a rock band. It's fist pumping rock music. That's really all it is. And, you know, Brett writes about things that he feels at the time. And we've got a song, you know, it's, everything's on YouTube and Spotify and all that. I think it's on. Yeah. We're on iTunes as well. Uh, world outside. It's a very poignant song right now, I think. Um, but check it out. It's, it's a good rock band. It's are you, fun to play. Are you guys releasing anything soon? We're probably going to start recording again and then hopefully have like a like a small EP with some new stuff on it. Because uh, what's on YouTube right now is stuff we recorded, you know, probably months ago. And we don't really have it uh, on, a, on a whole uh, piece of work, but it's all on YouTube. Is there any uh, any possibility of the two bands playing a show together or is that happening? Actually, right? November 20th we are. I get to do double duty. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a trip, man. I've done it before. It's definitely a, a trip playing in two completely different bands on the same night. Yeah. Uh, Satchel's a little bit harder to play than Low Man's Joe. The music's a little more challenging, I'll say that. Um, but you know, I it used to be like, how much? How how do people play in instrumental bands? Because you rely on vocal cues for certain songs, but the guitar is the vocals in Satchel, and that's kind of where, like I said, they write songs. They don't just noodle like like you know Ingve or something like that. I get bored in three minutes and walk out of an Ingve show. Right, right. No, you like like we talked about earlier in the pod, man. You guys, I mean, melodically, it's it's really impressive. Um, and then of course you got your drummer doing drum fills and stuff like that, and then I'm probably cue you in a lot to okay, here comes the pre-chorus. Excellent comes. at cueing changes. I mean, and that's the key. You know, when you have a drummer like that 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 cues your changes coming up, it's not hard at all. And the three of you guys have played together for a long time, right? Since 2013. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like it's almost like you know. You're not even thinking, you know yeah. what I mean? You could probably yeah. be, you probably have your back turned and, and know where the changes are coming. From some of the old songs, you know, when we first started out, which we're actually re-releasing two songs, uh, two, two older songs, Dipstick and Shred of Us Festivus, which is one of our uh, usually set ending shows. Nice. Songs. Very cool. Very cool. Um, 
I wanted to ask you one other question. Um, one of the things I think is very cool is Adam back in the day would end up sitting in with some of these bands that yeah. you guys he's would open too. for. Yeah, he played with uh, Ripper Owens. Um, he's a Adam is one hell of a metal drummer. Um, and the first time I saw him, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> he can play. So yeah, he, he can play drums too. And he sat in, didn't he sat in with Marty Friedman? When you uh, so he got dragged up on stage to, to play guitar with him because um, Marty said, hey, I heard there was some hot shit uh, guitar player in the crowd. And, you know, they rushed Adam up on stage, handed him some crappy PRS with rusty strings on it. And it's on YouTube. If you look up, you know, Adam Denoth or Steve Satchel, uh, Marty Friedman, Scout Bar, it's up there. And he, they jam a little blues. And uh, Adam held his own right next to Marty Friedman. How cool is that? What's the... Uh... What's your favorite show that you got to play opening up for somebody? Oh, I, I probably King's X. Got to, you know, got to meet Doug Pinnock. Um, God, Mr. Big was fun, too, because I got to meet Billy Sheehan. And I mean, you know, Paul Gilbert, good lot of monster musicians. But King's X was probably my favorite because they are one of the most underrated bands in the world, in my opinion. One of my favorites. Took the words right out of my mouth, man. Why that band did not become bigger than they should have, I have no idea. I don't know, but you should have seen the look on Doug Pinnock's face when I fired that tiny little rig up and it was loud next to his dual 810, 2000 watt gigantic rig. He was like, He was all like, Where do I get one of those? <laughs> and that guy, he's the nicest guy you'll ever, nicest human being you'll ever meet. It's always nice when you open up for people and the guys in the bands or the girls in the bands are always cool. It always yeah. just it's it's neat because you just we remember it's like we're just we're all musicians, right? You know what yeah. I mean? And and in the scope of things, you write music for yourself, but it's always like that tip of the cap when another musician like gives you a kudos or like you know just kind of looks your way and yeah. gives you a nod. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. kind of a, a special thing. But then on top of it, when they're nice people, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Low Man's Joe opened up for Zeparella, and uh, Gretchen Men sat there and watched our whole set. And That's our so cool. player at the time, he's like, I'm really nervous. And and Gretchen was, God, she was super nice too. Very approachable. Talk. She, I said, Hey, can I get a picture? Cause I sent it to my brother and make him jealous. Cause he's in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It makes a difference, man. I always think too, it's like that, that pain it back, man. You know what I mean? Remembering what it was like yeah. when you were younger and you wanted to meet somebody famous and then sure. you becoming famous and hopefully, you know, remembering what that was like. It's super important. Yeah. It, dude, it was a blast having you on the show today it was really kind of yeah, cool thanks, to man. go through memory lane we barely even talked about our past together yeah um, i mean that was probably I, I think back to that time when i listened to like certain records will remind me of it, like the black metallica album um that reminds me of that time overkill uh, horoscope reminds me of that time uh holy wars i mean have you played that song <laughs> remember that oh yeah dude it's like megadeth certain songs just take me back to that point in my life and that was you know, three or four of the best years of my life. You know, it was it was a great time. I loved. I'd, I'd move back to Reno in a second. You wouldn't, man. Not with how expensive <laughs> it is now, dude. It's so ridiculous. I have a dirt bike now, and I really want to ride some you know off road trails. And we don't have that here in Houston. Oh, they don't exist, dude. You'd be riding into people's backyards, man. If you if you because when was the last time you were in Reno? Uh, twenty twelve. You would lose your mind if you. You should come. I mean when everything gets better man come on come on down have a visit and uh what's going to be the convicted innocence 30 year reunion what's that uh next year oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> it's next year it man. Is next year it's next Holy year dude mother. 
Yeah, I'm going to be 50. That sounds about right. Yeah. We'll have to put we'll have to put it together, man. It'll be fun. I mean, we're we're all on good terms and uh you know, I I I still go to lunch with Ben every once in a while and and yep. he's he's doing great and uh you know, I, I w- it would be a lot of fun to do something like that again. You know what man, I mean? Man, that was that was a blast. Well, and everything would be backline for you, dude. So all you got to do is show up with the bass and you're good. Yeah, there you go. You don't have to worry about those loading in blues. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but we'll get you we'll get you out there for that, man. Who knows? We'll start planning it next year and that'll be a good time. But yeah, you trip out on Reno, man. It's totally different. I mean, it's insane how expensive. I think the medium that, house price now is five sixty five. My God. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything that you remember, man, it's like there's houses everywhere now. It's insane. Yeah, I bet. It's insane. You know what I mean? So Anyway, dude, thanks for taking your afternoon to to chat with me, man. I super appreciate it. Um, no problem, any, anything it. you want to say before you get out of here? I know you, you plug yourself a little bit. Anything else you want to say? The new Steve Satchel record is going to be called Sing Along, if you know the words. Nice. And make sure you guys, I mean, please check out that band. Check out Low Man Joe, too. I'm, I'm, you both, both are anywhere streaming, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, YouTube is probably the best place because all our online videos are there and you know you'll find early videos from i mean god we played the whiskey a go-go a while back there's live videos from that there's little guitar takes but yeah all our video most of our content's on youtube plus it, it, you know you can find it all from facebook as well and, and instagram and they're funny as hell man i, I enjoy <laughs> watching the videos they crack me up man i don't think we take ourselves too seriously we like to have fun and it's it's at the end of the day you know making music with our friends is what what we want to do and it, it, there's no egos there's no you know, we don't try to play shows for exposure. We just want to play. You, you don't know? want exposure, Bucks? No, nah, that doesn't really pay your rent. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up, don't either. I like the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Because, you know, I mean, I'm doing, the, I'm doing the acoustic stuff now and playing the restaurants and all that stuff and whatever. And the thumbs up, I always get the thumbs up and I'm like, yeah. yep, cool. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm grateful, man. Trust me. I, yeah. I get to do what I do for a living, essentially. And, and I... There's not a day I don't wake up where I'm grateful for that and really just to wake up, to be honest with you, you know, and talking about what we've been talking about, you know, I mean, who would have thought, think about this for a second, who would have thought you were, were you 21 yet when I met you? Yeah. 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 I think you were 17. So I think I'm three years older than you. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember you, I remember you were, you were buying us alcohol. I remember that you were contributing to a delinquency (laughs) of a minor, (laughs) you and Sean, (laughs) but, uh, think about man so you're 20 21 years old you think you'd be sitting talking to me today and no. it, you know what i mean from all all those years back then man would you no. would you ever think it you know no. i mean the only really regret i have in that whole experience is quitting playing um if i had kept playing for those 13 or 14 years between when i put it down and when i picked it back up i would just be better <laughs> <laughs> well yeah <laughs> But, you're, but dude you're definitely not bad at all man bro you i mean i'm so proud of you dude for like literally i mean i am so blown away by how good the bands you are in are and Thank how you. you're you an important it, it was it's all your fault so well, great <laughs> awesome well i'm glad you had a sales background to fall back on yeah 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 <laughs> So I sell stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what though? Selling that stuff definitely made a difference in terms of being able to sell music gear too. You had that experience. Yeah, yeah, and I've always been in sales. I mean, hell, when I was in Reno, I worked at the Sunglass Hut. You remember that? Oh yeah, in the middle of the Parkland Mall. Yep, yeah, yeah, which is no more, by the way. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Do, do they tore it down and they're building some Reno, something district, whatever the hell. And it's well, like I said, next year, you heard it here first on the 30th anniversary convicted tour. When we when we get you out yes. here, um, I'll throw you my car, dude. We'll go grab lunch somewhere and I'll take you around and your mind will be blown. I'll tell you one other one. Uh, you know where the beer barrel was, yeah. which is now a Jimmy John's. Remember, oh uh, but no, it gets, be- <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. Remember all the old houses that were on that? Yeah. They, they either tore them down or moved them, like it's physically so picked them up and moved them. Yeah. So there's none. All the old houses near, uh, near, um, oh man, why am I drawing a blank right now? Near Lawler on yeah, the other yeah. side, they're all gone. Wow. Tore them all down. That's just, I mean, there's only so much real estate between two mountains. So, well, they're finding it. Trust yeah. me, it's insane. It's, so, yeah, anyway, my friend, thank you for for donating some music for us to put on the pod. I'm really excited yeah, for people to listen to this. Um, and I'm really, I'm just really happy for you, dude. And thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you, man. Uh, real quick, everybody, we're a brand spanking new show. So if you can. Uh, Basically, subscribe to us on i on Apple i you know iPod not iPod excuse me <laughs> podcast. I always get it confused because it used to be iTunes. <laughs> but if you can give us a review or anything like that, that would be huge. Or anywhere that you listen to us, you know any type of review, five stars. Follow us on social media. You know, spread the word. It greatly helps us get guests like my friend Jason here. And uh, and we got a world exclusive before we go. Jason and the boys from the Steve Satchel Band were nice enough to give me in a world exclusive <laughs> Sky King. A new song off their new record coming out very very soon you get to hear it here first it's a great tune let the boys know what you think of the tune follow them on social media tell them that you heard it here first on mixtapes